good to see everybody. As we uh, prepare to jump into the word of the Lord this morning, I wanted to spend a small amount of time acknowledging the stresses that our body has experienced together over these last few months of isolation from each other. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but we're going to spend a little bit of time on it. Because just like our lives, the troubles of our day are very transient and temporary, and they will soon be over. We are eternal creatures adopted into the family of God. More accurately, we're grafted into the body of Christ. And our minds are directed to focus on the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We're commanded by our Savior not to worry about tomorrow and to trust in God's daily provisions. Trusting in God for his daily provision and not worrying about tomorrow does not mean that we're ignorant of our times. It does not mean that we're immune to the effects of cultural shifts, economic instabilities. It does not mean that we are not weary of the isolation caused by COVID. It doesn't mean that we're not frustrated by current events that unfold on our television in front of us or on our phones. And like all of our brothers and sisters in Christ around this planet, we feel the weight of our times. It seems that everywhere we look, there's no stable footing to be had. Power structures far beyond our influence struggle for dominance. And seemingly stable or flourishing economic markets act more like a yo-yo on the end of a string. And in a culture that promotes healthy living and exercise, despite all of our best motives, our interventions, our education, we're reminded daily at how fragile these bodies really are. Denny Tell went home to be with the Lord and praise the Lord for that. But our body is a lonelier place without him here. We came very close to losing our pastor and teacher just a couple weeks ago. And while I prepared this sermon... One of our brothers was down in Seattle putting themselves in harm's way to protect innocent people. And Andy Powell was in the hospital getting more stents. And while we're sitting here, some of us are still at home watching over live stream because of the lasting effects of this virus that we're dealing with. Do you feel this weight? The question's rhetorical. Of course you feel it. We all feel it, right? Look, it's not my intent to turn your eyes from the Lord and to dwell excessively on the troubles of our times. It is my intent 
to acknowledge the weight of our struggle. And it is my intent to acknowledge the weight of the struggle of our brothers and sisters who went before us, who felt the weight and the struggles of their time. When Paul wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, he was in prison, and he had chains on his arms and his feet. He referred to himself as the ambassador in chains and sprinkled throughout his epistles in the book of Acts. We read not only about Paul's sufferings, but about those sufferings the newly formed church was going through. When we read of the atrocities committed by Nero, the horrors of mob violence unleashed on Christians by Jewish leaders during the Roman Empire, I can feel the weight of their struggle. I'm not going to go into gruesome details about the history of our faith's persecution. Just suffice it to say that the weight of the world's routine troubles and its animosity toward us has never ebbed. We still feel it today. But there's another weight that I want to address. A weight that is not going to fade with next week's headlines. And it's not going to go away if the market goes back up or down. I want you to think back about the first time that you believed. For some of you, it was when you were very young. Some of you came to your faith as adults. Either way, if you have lived any significant time in this world, you have come to believe that the Word of God is true. You have likely come to the inescapable fact that you are not righteous. Standing in front of the law of God on the scales, when you are weighed and measured against the holy righteousness of God, you and I are not righteous. That is a weight. Do you remember that weight? Do you remember that weight when you first came to the cross? I do. Maybe some of you feel it right now. So here's the question. What do we do with these real burdens of life? Do we despair? Oh, the problems are so big, so universal. There's nothing. Nothing's ever going to change, and there's nothing I can do about it. We are all doomed. Do we rise and fight the system? Put on our social justice warrior capes and fly to the, to the rescue? How about for our sin? Do we try to make ourselves better? I know I'm a sinner. I'm going to clean up and I'm going to make my act clean and so I can stand before God and man. I think that in the face of all this, especially seeing the troubles of this world, 
The answer is thankfulness. We can be thankful for the work Jesus has done on the cross. And instead of despairing, we can rejoice that no matter how big the world's problems are, God is still sitting on his throne. And God the Father is on the throne and Jesus the Son is at his right hand. Even if we put on that cape and go to the rescue, our efforts are going to likely fail. They always do. We're never able to get things quite right down here. We can be thankful that Jesus did it right. That he finished the work. And he is our rescuer. And instead of trying to make ourselves better, we can be thankful that we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And we can be thankful that when we stand before the God, the Father, we stand in Christ. So let's talk about Thanksgiving a little bit here. It is a command. When you pray to God, I did a little bit of research on them when I was preparing for this sermon, and I was in Lagos, just like Steve was. And if you put in a search for thankfulness, oh my goodness, that's just just page after page after page. But in the Psalms, it is commanded, right, multiple times. We'll just go to Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. That's a command. Now, the person that, like myself would make a checklist and say, okay, I'm going to go be thankful. I'm going to enter his courts with praise, right? But there's also this feeling of hypocrisy, right? I've got the words of praise on my lips. I'm entering with thanksgiving. But I'm telling you, my heart is heavy. I feel the weight of the things going on around this world. And they're pressing in on me. But I'm going to tell you that in the midst of all of these trials that every one of us is walking through together, Thanksgiving is possible. Sitting in prison chains attached to his body, writing to the fledgling churches, threatened by violence from both Jews and Gentiles alike. What do we read? We read, and I'm going to go into, I'm going to go into the scripture, but I'm going to kind of just talk about it. We read that Paul talks about, what does he want to talk about? He talks about the blessings that we've received in Christ. He talks about how we were adopted, how we're sons and daughters, We are redeemed. This is what's on Paul's mind as he sits there in chains, in a prison. His mind is on these things. Listen, our hope is not in the stability of this world. It's in the salvation that we have through Jesus. We were dead, but now we are alive. And then after Paul makes that great declaration about all of our inheritance to those who believe, he breaks out in rejoicing in the giving of thanks. 
and his heart pours open for those whose faith is in the Lord Jesus. Let's go in there right now. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. And blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Think about this for a minute with me. It's kind of easy to gloss over this. Guy's standing up here and he's reading it over and over. Did you realize that what I just read to you is your inheritance for eternity? If you found out that you happened to be related to some billionaire mogul, and I was the guy the executor of state up here reading your portion of the will, how much attention would you have been paying to what I just read? Paul just declared and read to you, we just read your inheritance for eternity. You just received an inheritance more valuable than all the wealth the world has to offer. If all of the world's richest people pooled all of their wealth together, they could not afford what you just received and I just received. Think about it. You have peace with God. You have been adopted as a God's son. You have been adopted as God's daughter. You are so loved by God that he became flesh and poured out his blood on you. You might be saying, yeah, I get it. When this is all over, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. You're right, Tap. But what about now? The world is tearing itself apart right now. And people all around me are demanding that I take a side. What do I do now? 
There's a temporal answer. Justice. Fight for the right side. Get people on your side. Do you do you remember after the Exodus? The Israelites wandered around the desert for 40 years and then they finally crossed the Jordan and they were getting ready to go into... Uh, where were they going? They were going into Jericho, right? In Joshua chapter 5, let's read it. Joshua was by Jericho, and he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No. But I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. I'm not telling you that you're the commander of the Lord's army. Because I'm not either. But think back to that inheritance letter that we just read. You are a son of God. You are God's daughter. You have been adopted You have been given the greatest inheritance that could be imagined. And when Christ died for you and rose from the dead, he went and sat at the right hand of the Father. And all things now have their finality in him, and that means you too. And when you're asked, what side are you on? You can rightly say, no. But I am the adopted son, or I am the adopted daughter of God through my Lord Jesus Christ, and my concerns are now my Father's concerns. And guess what? His concern is for you. He offers you salvation and redemption from sins through the faith in His Son. Do you believe? We do have the weight on us. We do feel the struggles around us. And we want to complain about it. It's there. It's real. Every one of us has it. And right now, some are feeling it more than others. And in the history, some of our brothers and sisters have felt it way more than us. And some have gotten off really easy. But everybody has felt the weight. When you think back to Paul's circumstances... Did Paul have a reason to groan and complain about what was going on in his life? By any earthly standard of measurement, of course he did. We kind of get a glimpse of what he was going through in his entire life in 2 Corinthians. He was given the 2 Corinthians, or he was giving the Corinthians kind of a sharp rebuke, and he broke out into some of the stuff that he had gone through. I'm going to go in there kind of halfway through 23 suffering far more imprisonments with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, 
There was danger in the city and danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. In toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is this daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Paul's not fighting for his own side. He's not seeking justice for what he's saying. And here's the thing about the rebuke in Second Corinthians. If you go back and read the passage in its entirety, you can see for yourselves he didn't even want to bring it up. He didn't want to talk about his sufferings. He said that it was foolishness to even talk about it. Paul's joy was in Christ. He didn't want to talk about himself. And as Alan read this morning in Romans 8, Paul said that the sufferings of this present time are not even worth comparing to the glory that will be. So what are we to do? I think I gave the way of the answer. It's thankfulness, right? Thankfulness during times of hardship. See what the Lord has done for you. If you're uncertain where to start, maybe you have a hard time praying, and maybe the concerns of this world and the cares of everything around you are just so overwhelming, and you cannot come to any place where you're spending time with God and you're giving thankfulness. Go back to your inheritance letter. Go back to Ephesians 1 and break it down. Very first thing, give thanks to the Lord that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heaven. Give thanks to the Lord that he chose us from before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in Christ. Give thanks to the Lord that he adopted us as his son and his daughters through Christ Jesus. Give thanks to the Lord that he redeemed us and give thanks to the Lord that he forgave us of our sins. Give thanks to the Lord that he did not leave us in darkness and confusion, but has revealed to us the mystery of his will. Give thanks to the Lord for the seed of hope in Christ that was given to us. And give thanks to the Lord for the Holy Spirit with which we have all been sealed. Paul's prayer is that you would see the hope. His prayer is that you would see the love, see the power that God has exercised for you and for me in Christ Jesus. Seeing it, that's what you need, and that's what I need. If you glimpse that, everything else will fade. The power of what he has done for us will cause these things to fade. His prayer was that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Let me ask you something. Do you know 
that the Father of glory has given you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation? Most of you sitting in this building right now know about Christ, and I would guess that most of you believe. Do you think that that actually came from yourselves? That was given to you by God, God the Father. When you go before him, thank him for that. Thank him for the spirit that you were given, the spirit that comforts you and guides you in his will. Paul also prayed that having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Guess what? If all of your hope is in Christ, your eyes have been enlightened. Thank him for your vision. Enter his courts with praise, for you know that your hope is in Christ and not in this broken world. He continued to pray that we would know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the work of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the finality of all balance of power. You don't have to worry about the shifting balance of power in our time. It will shift, and sometimes you may be happy about it, and sometimes you may not be. But I'm here to tell you that at the end, we know where the power finally shifts. We know that every kingdom on earth and every person will bow their knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You are eternal creatures. Your king sits enthroned in the heavens. He bids you not to worry. The Father has done it. Jesus declared, it is finished. The blood of the Lamb is available to all who would be washed by it. It doesn't matter what nation you're from. It doesn't matter what tongue you speak. It doesn't matter the color of your skin or the gender of your body. Salvation is there for you. And that is your calling. Receive with thankfulness the immeasurable gift of Christ and share the good news to the world around you. Do you really want to improve the welfare of those around you? Do you really want to? Do you really want to build your community? There is no greater deed that you can do for anybody than to introduce them to Jesus Christ. When it comes to the political, economic, and cultural, medical instability of our times, I don't have any answers for you. I'm not a politician. 
I don't have any great plan for the next utopia. I don't think it's going to exist this side of Christ. I'm not a savvy investor with guarantees of portfolio maximization. I don't have that for you. And I'm not the next great social justice warrior that's going to go in and answer all the world's problems. I'm just not it. And I'm not a healer. If you're sick, I can do nothing for you. And like you, like most of you here and most of you at home, I'm just a person in his time. I feel the, sorry about that. I feel the weight of our struggle. I feel the weight of my own uncertainties. And I feel the weight of my sin. Here's the thing. All of our brothers and sisters who have gone before us have experienced their own struggles. They felt the weight of their day. Some had it easier than us, and others experienced hardships that are, frankly, quite hard to even imagine. But they, like us, looked to Scripture for their solace. They looked to Christ for their direction. Look, every answer that we come up with to solve today's problems is going to be fraught with difficulty. You may prefer, in our own current system, one side over the other. But are you willing to stake everything you have in that side? I think probably all the sides are just as corrupt as... It just depends on what flavor you like, what flavor of corruption you like. What organization are you going to join that is not going to have its own corruption? Everything is fraught with danger if we jump in it outside of Christ. Even this, even what we're talking about today, the idea of be thankful. You might have just wrote that down on your checklist. That's one more thing i got to do. That's it. Boom. I don't want you to hear that today. Don't. I want you to know that being thankful is fantastic. God just has to get your eyes open to see what he has done for you. To see what he has done for me. And because of these things, because of it, if we can only see it, our response is to be thankful. He does provide us with a teacher and a comforter, just like we talked about earlier, so that we can be thankful. I'm going to turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 through 18, and think about this. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It tells you to be filled with the Spirit. And what's the mark? What is the mark that you've been filled with the Spirit? Speaking to each other in praise songs. Singing in your heart. And being thankful to the Lord. 
it is right to say that thanksgiving is actually supernatural. It's a work of the Spirit. It's not something you do. It's through you. The Spirit does come, church, and it will come today to sing to your heart of the wonders of what Jesus has done and will turn you to thankfulness, not just for heaven, but for today. What do we do with these real burdens of life? In the face of all this, and especially seeing the troubles that are around us, I say that by the truth of the Word and the testimony of the Spirit, we can be thankful. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, we come before you this morning. (laughs) And Lord, we are so tempted to get caught up with the cares and the concerns of this world wrongly. We're so tempted to judge others. Father, we mess up all the time, but we rejoice. We are thankful that you redeemed us, that looking down on our pitiful state and seeing us unable to get along with each other, unable to come to terms with each other, that despite all of that, you forgave us. Despite our doubts and our fears of uncertainties, whether economic or political or even our own health, you are patient with us, and we thank you for that.